Transit Church. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. All right. Well, I'm John Scott. And for those who don't know me, I'm John Scott. I'm the one who'll be preaching today. And it's definitely my privilege to be able to share the word of the Lord with you here this morning. This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 11. And we're going to we're going to try to get through the, the whole chapter. So we got a lot of ground to cover, um, but it's going to be all right. So before we get started, if you would just bow with me in prayer. Lord, thank you for gathering us here today. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. And Father, we pray that as we go into your word today, that the message that you have for each one of us will will speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that as we learn more and more about your son, that we would believe and have life in his name. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. So John chapter 11. We've been going through the book of John here for a little while. And this is just another another part of of that story of John that's driving us towards faith in Christ. And as I was reading and preparing for this message, I really realized how much I wish that some of these great miracles that that are recorded in the Bible, I wish I could be there. I wish I could have just been there to to see some of these great faith-building moments, these, these snapshots in time that have echoed throughout the ages and drawn so many people to faith in Christ. And I'm sure that, that each of you feel the same way, feel very similar. How amazing would it be to be there when the Red Sea parted and Israel crossed on dry land or to see Daniel walk out after a night in the lion's den or to see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? So today we're going to continue our trek through the Gospel of John again in John chapter 11, which records Lazarus' amazing resurrection. There's a lot of nuance and detail in this chapter as I, as I dove in and did my detailed study and got all my sermon helps and Greek texts and all that stuff out. There's a whole lot of Greek meanings behind the words that behind the English translations. There's theories from scholars and Jewish traditions. There's a lot of stuff that, that we could get into. We could be here for, for a long time. However, what I want to do is I want to focus on the big lesson that Jesus illustrated when he performed this this miracle before those who were looking on. Before Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, he had a conversation with Martha in which he said this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. The purpose of this passage, the purpose of this miracle is to show that Jesus has the power to grant life and to defeat death through all the all the details, all the different things that happen. That is really what this passage is about. First and foremost, as we'll see that. The focus that Jesus had, the focus that John had in recording this is that people need to believe. The people needed to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus 
raise Lazarus, not primarily to, to bring this man back to life. As we go through the passage, we'll see that, that he knew Lazarus, he knew his sisters, um, <clears throat> likely knew some people in the community, but that was not his primary purpose. Reason he raised Lazarus was to glorify the father and to glorify the son. That's one of the reasons that he raised Lazarus. Another reason that he raised Lazarus was so that the disciples would believe. Even the disciples who had been with him through, at this point, probably two-thirds of his ministry, there were still some doubts in their minds. He raised Lazarus in order to break down barriers created by the fear of death by demonstrating that he did have the power to grant life. And he also raised Lazarus so that people would believe that God sent Jesus, so that people would believe that God sent him. Most of the people who, who were there when this scene happened had, had heard plenty about Jesus at this time. Some of them were probably eyewitnesses to, to other things Jesus had done. So while everyone didn't have a perfect faith, I don't know if there was a such thing at that time, there was at least some curiosity to, to varying degrees of the people who were there that day. The people uh, had varying degrees of faith in the days leading up to the tomb. Most doubted that Jesus could intervene um, once Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but, but four days, really, that, that's a long time. You know, it, it may not be, be a long time when you're thinking about a, a four-day weekend or something like that, but when we're talking about what we're talking about in this passage, four days, that, that's quite a bit of time. So the first thing you want to look at is the disciples. The, di- the disciples were afraid to return to Judea. So we'll take a look at the first 16 verses of John, and we can read these together. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. So that's the the first scene there with the uh, with the disciples. And, you know, there's a couple a couple interesting things um, 
about this. First of all, they reminded him, hey, in case you didn't get the memo or you missed the briefing, the Jews were just seeking to stone you. So why do you want to go back there? So Jesus explains to him a little bit more. And then he says that our friend Lazarus has has fallen asleep. And they're like, ah, very good. If he's asleep, then that means that he's resting. His body is going to rejuvenate, recharge. So again, hey, you know, we don't we don't need to go back there. Right. Because, again, in case you didn't get the memo, the Jews were just seeking to stone you back there. And then Jesus said to them plainly that that he's dead. All right. I said sleep, but he's dead. And this is one of those points where scholars say because Jesus was on the other side of the Jordan, that by the time the messenger got there, Lazarus was probably already dead. Lazarus was probably already dead when they got there. Um, So Jesus tells him, hey, he's died and we're going back. And Thomas, the the famous doubting Thomas of, of later chapter in John, was actually like, hey, all right, well, if we're going to die, let's go die. But they didn't understand that Jesus was going there for a greater purpose, that his work was still going on. That's what he's talking about. Are there yet 12 hours in the day? He is the light of the world, and he still had work to do. So he wasn't afraid of dying before his time because he had a mission to accomplish, and he knew that he had to go to Judea in order to accomplish that mission. So then the next people that we see um, are Martha and Mary. And Martha and Mary believe that Jesus could have intervened before Lazarus died, but they don't know what to think right now. So we'll continue on. Pick it up in verse 17 and we can read together. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. 
So we have Mary and Martha. And after, after Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life, those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. Martha said, I know, I know that he will, well, before that, I, she said, I know that he will rise again on the last day. Jesus was saying, hey, your brother will rise. She really doesn't have a, a, a reason. You know, we can't look at Martha in a bad light. She doesn't really have a reason to know what Jesus is going to do. So again, varying degrees of faith. She believed that Jesus was going to do something. She believed that, that it wasn't the end, but she didn't know exactly what to think. She also says, if you had been here, he would not have died. So she had that confidence that Jesus could have stopped, could have intervened before Lazarus had actually passed. And certainly if he'd been there before Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Now, for, for where Martha says uh, that, that he's, been, he's been in the tomb um, later on, She's going to protest again, but I have to go to the to the King James version for that one, uh, because uh, in in here, you know, it talks about you know there's an odor in some of them, but in the King James version, it says he's been in the tomb four days. By now, he stinketh, he stinketh. So, but so so Mary and Martha, they really don't know what to do. They don't know what to do um, because they know that Jesus can do something, but but what is it? Now, this this particular verse uh, that we looked at earlier, uh, John 25 and 26, is is one of the verses that I like to use when I'm conducting a funeral at Arlington. It's it's one of the intro scriptures that I like to use when someone is a believer, because that that is a, a key lesson, not only in this chapter, not only in the Gospels, not only in the Bible, but that is a key lesson in life. That is that is the gospel that that Jesus came and that those who live and believe in him will never die. That that's the hope that we hold on to as as we'll see. It's not these these miracles or these stories or these events. It's not it's not the being there that that's key. The key is getting what Jesus is teaching us, getting the reason why he came, getting understanding and believing in that promise so that we can receive the gift that he says that he's going to give to us. So then we go to to the next group, the onlookers. Some of the onlookers also believe that Jesus could have done something before, but that he's too late now. Go on to the the next couple verses. And he said, where and, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also kept this man from dying? So the famous shortest verse in the Bible here, Jesus wept. This is another one of those, those nuances that I won't go real, really deep into, but we'll, we'll mention that the Greek Behind when it says before that he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, uh, the Greek is more properly translated um, as far as from what I was able to find out that, that he was disturbed, almost that, that he was was angry. 
Don't know exactly why he was angry. Was he angry that Lazarus died? Maybe, but probably not because that didn't surprise him. What people think is that he was probably angry because of the, the, the incomplete faith of the people, which leads to the Jesus wept. Was he weeping for Lazarus, knowing that here shortly he was going to raise him from the tomb? Or was it one of those, another one of those instances where he weeps over his people? Because even though they, they hear, they don't comprehend, even though they see that they don't perceive and that he's weeping over that. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say there's probably some uh, some some truth to both of those. But what we do know is that the people still don't completely get it. And I don't say that from from an angle of judgment. We have to think about what's going on here. According to to this gospel, according to the book of Acts, according to the other gospels, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. So we have a tool now that they didn't have. We also have the Bible, which while you're living it, of course, it's not written. So their understanding is incomplete. And really, when we look at at a chapter like Hebrews 11, we know that their understanding really was incomplete for our benefit. Their understanding hadn't reached its, its full, the, the, the full comprehension of what Jesus came to do. But all that, all that goes on was for the benefit of those who would come later. Four days. Now, the Jews believed that when a person died, that their soul kind of stayed in the area for, for three days that the soul stayed in the area for three days is kind of what they believed in, in a hope that maybe the soul could return to the body and the person could indeed come back to life. So that four days is, is very significant for them because they would have understood, hey, we're definitely at the point of no return now. Four days has gone by. Maybe that's why Jesus delayed two days as well. If, if he got the message and Lazarus was already dead. He waited another two days in order to help out the understanding of those who were going to be there to witness this miracle. And I'll tell you something else that, that's, that's fairly significant about four days. Um, I've been in the Army for about, well, a little over 18 years now. Um, and in those 18 years, I've got to do a lot of fun and, and great stuff. The Army's good for, for sermon illustrations is what I've learned since I became a chaplain. Um, One of the things I got to do was was go hang out at a a school called Sear School, Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape, um, where you get to learn a lot of fun stuff. You get to hang out with friends. You get to to light campfires, have cookouts, and all this other great stuff. Awesome school. Um, So one day, while I was at Sears School and had been on the run and hadn't eaten for probably over 48 hours, um, we, we got a line on a, on, a, on a deer, a freshly killed on the roadside deer. And said deer, we went and got said deer. Said deer had only been there for, for one day. You know, we got a little piece of intel. It had only been there for one day. And I don't know if it had been there for a whole 24 hours. But after one day, in the, the, the nice, breezy, Carolina, June, summer, that, that deer smelled pretty bad. So 
in, in, in the desert, in the heat there, in, in the Middle East, I'm sure that, that decomposition had already set in. So that's actually another step to this miracle that we probably don't think about. But four days. After one day, things aren't pretty. All right. By the way, we did eat the deer. And uh, you just have to cook it really, really dark till it's about this color. Um, and you got to kind of hold your nose because it tastes like it smelled, although nobody got sick. But four days after four days, even as hungry as I was, I'm not sure that I would have would have tried to, to make that happen. So so that's the setup. That's the setup that that let there be no doubt that physically through the soul, through whatever, that Lazarus was dead. And what you are about to witness is a miracle. The miracle is a sign meant to cut through doubt and lead to life. Again, the main lesson there in verses 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? As we go through, and the verses won't be on the screen, but as we go into to the next section there, when, Mar- when, when Martha said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, when she says, he's been there four days, by now he stinketh. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. That's a key. If you believe, you will see the glory of God because we're going to see that there's going to be people who look right at this miracle who were there that day and they don't believe. So they don't see God's glory, even though God manifests his glory in one of the most amazing ways possible. They don't see it because that faith is a prerequisite to to even have a chance to understand So they took away the stone and then Jesus lifted up his eyes and said this prayer out loud that he didn't have to say, but he says it for their for their benefit. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. He could have just probably whisked away the stone had Lazarus come out. He may have been able to leave the stone in place and just have Lazarus materialize beside him or behind the crowd. But for the benefit of the people so that they would believe what was necessary in order to to receive that gift of eternal life from God. He says this prayer so that they can understand that Jesus is doing his father's work. The one that they look to, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he's praying to him to say, hey. Pay attention to what's going on. I'm telling you that I am who I say that I am. So they move the stone. He tells Lazarus to come out of the tomb. Lazarus comes out. They unbind him from the grave clothes. People were right there. People saw it with their own eyes. And yet the reaction to this miracle, the reactions to this miracle were mixed. The reactions were mixed. Continuing on in verse 45, it says, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. So there are those who believed that seeing seeing is believing. I think that's how 
most of us probably think that's who we are. If I can see it, I'll definitely believe it. The, the, the tape doesn't lie. You know, let's go back to the tape, although the tape does lie sometimes. But anyway, many of the Jews therefore believed. But some of those who were standing there that day, maybe even one of the people who, who unbound Lazarus from the grave clothes ran to the Pharisees to let them know what was going on. The assumption is, is that those people didn't believe. So they went and said, hey, this guy that you've been talking about arresting, this guy who is healing people on the Sabbath, this guy who's, who's, who's doing all these other things, here he is, again, up to what he's up to, trying to, to convince people that he's the son of God, but we know what you told us, so we're just letting you know that he's not doing what you said he's supposed to do. The Sanhedrin, that's the council of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, decided at this moment that they were going to kill him. Like, okay, this, this, this is enough here. And it says, so the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council. What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. They're not denying that he's doing it. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So they're concerned about their lot in life. They're concerned about their position. They are concerned about the nation. If, the, if they're under Roman rule, if people start to follow Jesus and believe that they can overthrow the Romans or, or uh, shake off the, the, change of the, the chains of the Roman Empire, there, there's probably some, some repercussions going to happen. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. A man rises from the dead. Jesus does this through the power in him, through the power of God. And yet the Jews seek to kill him. We can almost understand where where the Sanhedrin, where they're coming from. They do have a position. They do have power. It's not right. But we know that when we have a station in life, at times we try very hard to grasp onto it. But what blows my mind just just a little bit are, are the people who were there. Who, who were there to, to hear the teaching, who, who ran up behind Mary. Uh, how, how can they not see this, this miracle and just, just believe, just be like, oh, okay, hey, that's, uh, you know, that's better than an identification card right there. We, we've never thought about someone rising from the dead, but, but they didn't. The people needed to believe that Jesus had the power and authority to, li- to deliver on all the promises of the gospel, all the things that he had been teaching up to that time. The miracle was to serve as a sign pointing the people to faith. That's really what the miracle was. The miracle wasn't a favor to Mary or Martha or Lazarus or anyone else. That miracle was, was a sign pointing to Jesus, pointing to people to have faith in him. And this passage serves the same purpose for us today. Just like was, was on the screen 
when the when the sermon started that uh that uh it's not a trailer because it happens maybe it is a trailer what's it called i don't know the the little teaser for the sermon was john uh chapter 20 verse 31 but these are written so that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name so every miracle that's recorded in the gospel of john Every miracle really is recorded in the Bible, but every miracle that's recorded in the, in the gospel of John was not for its own sake. It was so that the people there could believe and that the people who have come since could believe as well. When, when you read this, you have to look beyond the display of power and the I wish I was there. Which, again, I wish I was there, but we have to look beyond that. You have to believe in order to see the glory of God. You have to believe in order to see the glory of God. Whether you're there or not, you still have to believe in order to see the glory of God. So how do you do that? The first thing you have to do is place the proper value on seeing miracles. Place the proper value on seeing miracles because seeing a person rise from the dead doesn't necessarily lead to faith. We already saw that in John, but there's also a story in Luke about the rich man and Lazarus, the, the, a different Lazarus. This is a, this is a parable. Um, but there's a rich man who had a servant named Lazarus who, or not a servant, who had a, there was a man named Lazarus who was sick and laid by the gate and wanted to eat from the rich man's table. Uh, so he had a hard life. This Lazarus had a hard life. And this rich man did not care anything about Lazarus while he was alive. Eventually, they both died. And Lazarus goes to Abraham's side and the rich man goes to Hades. And he asks that he asked Abraham, hey, send Lazarus down here so that he can dip his finger into the water and put a drop on the tip to cool my tongue. And Abraham says, basically ain't happening, you know, ain't happening, Kevin. All right. So then he says, then I beg you, father. To send me to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the same thing. When he says Moses and the prophets, what he's saying is they have scripture. They have what was scripture at that time. If they can't read that and believe, then they're not going to believe if someone should rise from the dead. So we place these miracles in their proper in their proper place. And seeing is not a necessary condition for believing. After all, when we think about Israel, when we think about the Red Sea parted, Israel crossing on dry ground, everyone in that generation who was of age, everyone who was an adult died wandering in the wilderness. Why? For lack of faith. So they were there, but it wasn't enough to convince them. So we have to put these miracles in their proper place. Plus, in later in John, when, he, when Jesus and Thomas do have their encounter, he says this, Put your finger here and see 
my hands and put your hand in the place in my side. This is where he was crucified. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's not necessary to see, to believe. And blessed are those who believe even though they didn't see. So we have to place the proper value on miracles. We also have to believe that Jesus can do more than than you expect. Could not he who restores sight to the blind have not prevented this man from dying? Lord, I know that if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. So there, there's a, there is a measure of faith and belief in Jesus there. But there was also a limit. It had already been four days. By now, he stinketh. It had been four days. Well, the soul checks out after three days. There's no way that he can do this. He can do a lot of great stuff, but there's no way that he can do this. We have to believe that Jesus can do more than what we expect. Even in our own prayers, when we pray for these specific things, God can do more than what we expect with those prayers. Also do the work of God. That's what, that's what faith is for. It's not just for eternal life, but we are reborn. We are created in Christ Jesus in order to be God's worksmanship, to do the works that he has designated for us to do. Testify to what you have seen. That's really what, it's what the Bible is, but it's definitely what John is doing. That was his purpose. His, his book, his gospel is a testimony to what he saw, to what he witnessed. And it's also a gift because it's not just to say, hey, I was there when X happened. But it's so that we can have, that we can believe and have life in the name of Christ. Also, you have to seek Jesus behind the signs. We have to take things to the next level. No one sees a sign and then just breaks out into to celebration right there. What do I mean by that? Four signs here that, that mean a little bit to me in my life. There's the, the welcome to Ohio sign. I try to find one that we actually go under. I know we've been under this one, but I'm not ex- exactly sure where it's at. Fort Bragg, my home away from home. That's where we have spent eight years uh, of our military life there. And then two of my very favorites, Nielsen's frozen custard there in, in Vienna and Penn Station, East Coast Subs. Started by a man from Dayton, Ohio, 20 minutes up the road from me. But, as I, but these are signs. These are signs that point to something. And when we get to the, the welcome to Ohio sign, we don't get out of the van, pull over. There's no shoulder there anyway, but um, just on the other side, there's a little place where you can pull over. We don't pull over, start taking family photos, get all happy, give each other hugs, get in the vehicle and, and head back to, most of the time, Fort Bragg, head back to here. We don't do that. The sign points that, that we're moving towards our destination, but we don't stop there. We don't take any pictures by the Fort Bragg sign. You might get arrested if they think you're trying to film the security measures, too, so I wouldn't advise it. I don't know who took this picture, but I didn't. I, I did not. I know there's some other military people in here, intel and all that stuff. I did not take this picture. It's open source. All right. 
and then especially Nielsen's frozen custard or Penn Station, I wonder what would happen if I pulled into the Penn Station parking lot, celebrated that sign, got enamored with it, and said, kids, wasn't that great? Let's go home. Let's go home. Once, once we see the sign, once you see the sign, you're close. You're very close to where you're going, but you still have to enter in to partake. You still have to enter in to do the purpose for which you came. You have to, to enter in in order to enjoy the promise of what is behind that sign. So just like we wouldn't stop short, I wouldn't stop short at Penn Station until I ate a nice Philly cheese steak with Jesus. We can't just say, this is awesome. I wish I was there to see it. But since I wasn't, oh, well. That sign points to something greater even than the miracle itself. Resurrecting a man from the dead, feeding the 5,000, rising from the grave after crucifixion. These are all incredible things, but they point to something greater. Jesus said that he is the resurrection and the life. He came to give us a life that death can't overcome. That God would grant life to a people who didn't seek him while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. It is truly amazing that that he would come to us. It's more amazing than him raising Lazarus from the dead because Lazarus was raised, but Lazarus died again. So while that was a miracle, that wasn't eternal life, which is a gift that he gives to us. These things serve as signs meant to point us to the Savior, and we must place our faith in Jesus that we might receive this greatest gift of all, and that is eternal life in him. Let us pray. Father, thank you for sending your son to us as a sign, as a sign that even though you are the creator of the universe, that you still care as a sign that even though we're the ones who broke fellowship with you, that you still cared, that you were willing to give, Lord God, that you're willing to seek us even in our worst moments. Thank you for sending your son as that sign. Thank you for revealing great power to us, not for the sake of it being enjoyed as it was being witnessed, Lord God, but for the sake that we could believe and receive the ultimate gift of eternal life from you. So Father, help us to believe. As the one man said, Lord, we do believe. Help us in our unbelief, Lord. Help us to know you more, to enjoy you more, to live an abundant life, Lord God, in your name. Amen.